0: Howdy, y'all. This is Fiddle and Pipe, coming at you with episode
1: 5. But before we get to that, we have announcements to make. We do. Well, this is a continuation (laughs) of
0: last week's chapter. Yes, because we uh, talk too much, as Catherine likes to call it. This is episode 4.B., we are active on patreon and anchor so on patreon you can find us at patreon.com fiddle and pipe there we have a five dollar per month tier that we are opening up this month of june and you will get a shout out in our episode once you join and you will also receive extra content uh, this might vary between bloopers, extra episodes.
1: Yeah, stuff that's probably not book related.
0: <laughs> and on Anchor, we activated listener support. You can go to anchor.fm/slash fiddle and pipe and you can donate directly to us. It's a monthly contribution, it's either 99 cents. $4.99 or nine ninety nine per month. We appreciate any support we get, it's really gonna help us make this podcast better.
1: So thank you. If you want to support us, we appreciate it one hundred percent.
0: And speaking of supporting us
1: How many listens have we had, Brittany? We hit
0: our 100 milestone. I think it was last Thursday. Thank you
1: for everyone that's been listening. Like, we definitely appreciate it. Because the fact that we could
0: have hit 100 listens in three episodes in a trailer is actually insanely good.
1: If you guys have not already heard, there is a fundraiser concert going on online for the events that are going on in Palestine right now. This is a fundraiser to kind of support the people that are being affected by this tragically. And it is an online charity benefit concert. It'll be on Saturday, June 12th. The concert will be happening at 3 p.m. Eastern time, 12 p.m. Pacific time. If you're in mountain time like I am, I guess that's one o'clock. If you want to learn more information about this benefit concert, Go to, on Instagram and look up Frozen Fiddle Rose. She is the one organizing this concert, and she has a lot more details. She even has a poster that she made, and I will be sharing some information on my Instagram handle at Food as well.
0: We also would love it if y'all haven't joined our Facebook group page. It is Fiddle and Pipe Forum. You can also communicate with us on Patreon, which is something we both learned, I think, this morning,
1: we want to know your ideas and if you have anything that you would like us to read.
0: We only have a few more episodes left for the inner game of music. So we yeah. are currently brainstorming ideas right now. Where, you know, should we do another nonfiction book or should we not be serious and do a fiction book? And what book should we do? We've thrown out some ideas. Twilight's been thrown out. A Handmaid's Tale's been thrown out. What was that book that you suggested, the nonfiction?
1: Atomic Habits.
0: Yes. So we have a lot of options, but we would love to hear from y'all because without y'all, we wouldn't have a podcast. Exactly. Also, please rate our podcast on, is it Apple Podcasts?
1: Yes. So please rate us. If you're listening, especially. I know you're listening to us. <laughs> it helps us so much. <laughs> yeah. So rate us on Apple Please re- give us a review.
0: If any of the other services allow you to rate and review, please please do that as well. Or follow us. Just simply follow us. Please subscribe. Also, word of mouth is going to be the best way that we can make this podcast bigger. So if you mm-hmm. have a friend who would really enjoy listening to two quirky classical musicians discuss books, please recommend it. Or if you have someone you hate and you think this is an awful podcast, please recommend it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't rate us. Just... <laughs> but, but but still share it. <laughs> Just if you hate us, don't rate us. Or maybe you can if you want to. What? It's your freedom, I guess. You know. This is
0: America. Share us on social media. Share us to your friends, your
1: family. We really want to do some cool things on here, so
0: thank you. <laughs> well, hope you all enjoy episode five or four point B. <laughs> 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 hi i'm Brittany ross and i play the fiddle
1: i'm katherine blenchen and i play the pipe and together we are fiddle and pipe two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff so grab a book take a seat
0: and tune in So we get to performance goal five, the meaning of music. Learn the literal meaning of why the piece was written or what was surrounding it when it was written. And this kind of brings us back to when you were talking about Shostakovich Mm 5 and talking about everything that talks about a piece and like goes around a piece. And it's just really important. Music is not learned in a vacuum. I think we talked about this in another episode. Yeah. Or maybe earlier in this episode. I can't remember.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He also talks about meaning in terms of phrasing and color. This performance goal, I think, was, like, really straightforward.
1: Oh, well, yeah. Same here.
0: <laughs> I didn't really have much to say about it. I was kind of like, okay. Performance goal six, the drama in music.
1: Ooh. Da, da, da. Ooh. Ooh.
0: <gasps> Put a story to the music you play to express more meaning or emotion to the piece. So, in undergrad, my teacher, Helen, she told me that when she went to Juilliard, Her professor was Dorothy DeLay who taught like Itzhak Perlman and Sarah Chang and all these fabulous violinists. But apparently Dorothy would tell Helen and her other students to write literal screenplays for their concertos or whatever they were working on. So Helen kind of did that with us to a, a lesser extent. She wouldn't say write a screenplay, but she would be, she would say Oh, you know, have an idea of what's going on, make up these characters, have like a feeling, or even write a story, but don't necessarily you write a whole screenplay about it.
1: That's actually kind of cool. <laughs> I've never been told to write a screenplay. I don't do this all the time, but every now and then, especially I think when I'm playing excerpts, I do think of character qualities and what's going on in those excerpts to kind of portray the mood or... scene a little bit better but i've never really done much practice of this
0: it's fun so did you do the exercise putting meaning into your music no (laughs) so you're (laughs) you're supposed to choose a piece with an energetic or fast name identify the themes and motives that give energy to the piece assign characters for those themes create a story that fits the piece emphasize the motives with dynamics articulation phrasing etc Don't worry about note accuracy. He's basically saying to not write a screenplay, but make a story for the music that you're playing.
1: Yeah, I I need to do that. It's fun. You
0: really do. (laughs) Can you do it and then let me know what you think? Because this is a performance goal that I was really interested in because it was such a part of my undergrad, and I've definitely done it with my own students. Especially in the context of when they are playing and they aren't playing with the same emotion or feeling or phrasing that I know for a fact that they're capable of. Mm -hmm. Like one of my more advanced students was playing a while ago the first moon of the Brook violin concerto. And I was like, Okay, like what's the point of this? What is the meaning of this? What is going on here? And he was at the time sixteen years old, sixteen year old high school student. He's like, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, you gotta know.
1: Yeah. No. (laughs) Tell tell
0: me exactly what's going on here.
1: Get them started while they're young. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) There's a piece I have in mind that I'm thinking of exercising this on. That will be my goal when I work on it this week.
0: Next section is experience goals in music. Pay attention to how you feel about your music and when you perform. When you're enjoying what you're doing, you're more likely to play better.
1: What got me was when he was saying, talking about amateurs, and how mm-hmm. if you ask them to, like, perform a concert or something like that, they're, like, no. When I teach adults, most of the time, it's either, well, I've always wanted to play flute, and I just never tried it, and now I have the time to do it. Or, I haven't played in a very long time, and I just want to get back into it. And they're not doing it to be in a symphony or anything. They're doing it because they love it, and it's something that they want to do. And I find that very inspiring because I sit there and I'm like, why can't I just approach my instrument like that? Instead of thinking of it as, I have this to do today and this to do today. And yeah, like I do have music that I need to get to for certain rehearsals and whatnot. But I want to work on approaching my instrument in a way where it's like, I love doing this and I'm doing this because music is fun and I enjoy it. I think I lost a lot of that within this past year and even before, dang, probably since like I left school.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely harder to keep yourself motivated when you don't have something constantly incentivizing you. Exactly. In school, you have concerts, and you have weekly lessons, and you have clear goals to work towards. And outside of school, it's like, okay, well, I have a wedding gig, so I guess I'm gonna practice that music. Yeah. Oh, I have a concert coming up in a week. I should probably practice that music. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have excerpts that I should learn, but I've been working on them for years. I don't really want to do them.
1: Yeah, and for me at least, I've been discovering pieces, just refreshing myself with new music that I haven't researched or listened to at all to kind of get me inspired. Like, I really want to try this piece out one day. Mm -hmm. I think also I'm directing myself to do things that I know I'm enjoying right now, and I will enjoy. And I'll talk mm. about this probably later. I don't want to get in depth with it right now, but I know for sure right now I'm playing with a harpist, and I'm very excited because we have some music planned, and we're visiting old pieces that I've played before, and it's it's like I'm a kid again, and I'm like, wow, like I remember where I was when I was learning this piece for the first time, and it got me, it inspired me to get into music a little bit more, and it's just so fun. Right now I'm getting back into that enjoyment again, and maybe it's because I'm playing with the harpist, and we, we enjoy playing together and we're having fun. <laughs> I'm trying to discover that a lot more now, I think with things kind of getting back slightly to normal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everyone's very hesitant to say normal. Yeah.
1: It's slightly. It's it's not
0: normal and it won't, won't be normal for a long time, but there's, there's hope. That's a big difference now is that there's actually hope and there's a foreseeable end to all this going on. I said in a previous episode, might've been our first episode that I haven't touched my violin really more than 20 days of the last year. And unfortunately that's true. I haven't really had a reason to practice. I've been more preoccupied with the outside issues like COVID, uh, making sure, you know, my family had money to pay bills, all these outside issues and just practicing took a back seat. I had nothing to practice for. I had no concerts coming up. I had no gigs.
1: But- and that's totally fine too. For me, my goal was to just practice. (laughs) I think it was because I was sick before the pandemic started and I took a break and because I injured myself from coughing too much. I feel like I had COVID.
0: I was gonna ask, did you have COVID?
1: I don't know what I had. I just remember I taught sectionals one day at the school that I always teach at. My student literally looks at me in the face, coughs and says, "Miss Catherine, I'm sick. And I was like, great, stand over there.
0: Okay, kids are Trojan horses for germs. They're so gross. i want going to get on my... <laughs> yeah, they're so gross, but they're so cute. So you're like, yes, I need this kid all up in my yeah! face. I'm going to cater to this kid. And then they cough on you or... I-, I can't tell you how many times I've been in middle schools and I see kids pick their nose or have their fingers in their mouth or put their hands, you know, on their body. And then they, like, <laughs> rub it on their instrument and then they give me the instrument to tune and I'm like hell no. Yeah. But I I don't say hell no. I just pick up the instrument, I tune it, and I give it back, and pre-COVID, I just kind of rub my hands on my shirt.
1: I don't know what the heck happened. I don't know if it was bronchitis. I don't know if it was COVID. I I never exactly went to a doctor to get it figured out because I thought it was just like, this would be gone soon. I mean, I treated it as best as I could, but I coughed so much that I injured my intercostal muscles on my right side. And yeah, that was super fun. And I only played when I had to teach lessons and I right. barely did any of that either. And I took a break for a while. And then I think finally, I wanna say like, still at the beginning-ish, maybe a little bit into the pandemic, that's when I started practicing mm-hmm. a little bit more regularly. Cause I think for me, it was just, I'm here at home. There's nothing else to do. <laughs>
0: I definitely had a hard time motivating myself to practice during the pandemic, even Mm -hmm. though I have been home considerably more than I have been in years past. Everything just seems so overwhelming that I can't, I haven't been able to find solace in playing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some of that is because I feel like, you know, music has kind of failed me in a sense, like that was my living. And suddenly I went, you know, my income's cut in half. Yeah. And so it's, like, kind of
1: revisiting that kind
0: of hurt a little bit. And I
1: think a lot of people could relate to that. I even relate to that mm-hmm. in a way, and that's when I just kind of took a little small break and was, like, I just need to figure out what's going on and take care of myself.
0: Yeah, you got to do what you got to do to make sure you're okay. Exactly. And I think we can kind of relate the amateur love to, like, we both have hobbies outside of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I,
1: you
0: know, so, like... I love gardening, I love exercising, I like painting, but I'm not necessarily exceptional at any of those. I really enjoy them, though, and I think it's because they're situations in which you don't have a ton of pressure.
1: I feel the same way with photography. I'm not a professional photographer, but... I enjoy going outside and taking photos when I go on runs because what I see captures my eye. There's really cool things out there. And
0: you're a good photographer. She took A-plus headshots of me.
1: Oh, yeah. A-plus. Girl. Yeah. (laughs) For me, personally, it's something that I enjoy. I've always enjoyed photography. Am I an expert at it? Absolutely not. And I value the people that do that for a living, and I love what people put out there with their photos. I enjoy it. I don't need to do it as a career.
0: <laughs> or even think about this podcast. You know, we started it with a goal. Neither of us are audio engineers or podcast experts or anything. It was really fun at first, and now we're getting into the fourth episode, and it's like, okay, you know, we need to establish this weekly routine yeah. of recording, editing. It's starting to seem chore but it's also still so fun. So it's about keeping the fun I guess and serious things and I feel like there's a lot you can take from that especially with again with COVID and how it has impacted relationships you know like marriages relationships friendships all these strained relationships if you don't have the good or the fun and anything things are going to go south really fast and that goes for music Mm -hmm. that goes for you know who you're dating that goes for everything exactly huge takeaway there getting back to the book though He says that there are two kinds of experience goals, and I'm really glad that he said it like this, because when the chapter section was called experience goals in music, I thought he was literally talking about experiencing goals, not that the thing was called experience goals. Oh. Does that make sense? So I was like, okay, now I feel like I read part of this and I was like, I don't really know what you're talking about. (laughs) One of the two... Kinds of experience goals was how do you feel about yourself when you're playing or practicing. Your inner emotions, if you're feeling tense or calm, if you're struggling with mastering music, if you're overwhelmed by self too or happy with self too, etc. The other goal is your experience of the music. So what qualities and emotions that the music itself conveys? Does not make you happy? Does not make you sad? You need to feel comfortable with yourself before moving on to music experience. So if you're bogged down by notes or fingerings, that's all you're going to fixate on. You're not going to be able to go to this higher level of, oh, how does this music make me feel? If you're so fixated on mundane stuff to just make the music happen. And
1: honestly, that makes me frustrated. One thing that my teacher would tell me is like, don't play when you're upset because that's not really going to be productive. I relate to this a lot because when I'm not in a good place, when I'm upset, angry, stressed, and then All it does is reflect in my playing. That's when I know I need to take a break and I don't punish myself for it. I set down my instrument, maybe pack it up. Maybe I'll be gone for five minutes. Maybe I'll be gone for an hour. Maybe for the rest of the day. I would rather be in a good place, solely there for the music and improving myself rather than being pissed off and saying, this is still not good enough. I'm still not going anywhere.
0: Barry Green kind of tiptoes around mental health a lot and he doesn't directly address it a lot.
1: Well, if you think about it, this book was written in, what is it? I'm looking
0: The 80s, I think. Yeah,
1: like, I'm looking at the copyright. 1986.
0: So, mental health, not really a big thing. Yeah. But it's interesting looking at it with our 2021 lenses mm-hmm. and applying it.
1: I think this book can be relatable in ways of approaching music, mm-hmm. but also being aware of the times today and the kinds of pressure and tasks and taking care of ourselves and knowing that we should take care of ourselves
0: it's a lot of mental Mm self-care without saying mental self-care
1: exactly and 1986 that had been like 30 okay it's 2021 that this i think this book was like written like 35 i'm not good at math 35 years ago let me
0: get my calculator
1: (laughs) i can only (laughs) count to four
0: Yeah, 35, you're right. So
1: this book is definitely, like, in some ways...
0: Outdated. Outdated seems like such a negative word, but definitely some of it is a little outdated. Yeah,
1: but I still think that there are certain concepts and points that are still relatable, but how can Mm -hmm. I relate to this in a world today rather than than taking everything so literally? I think that's my thing is when I read a book or when I go through an exercise book or whatever... I take things too literally. (laughs) And Mm. now that I'm reading this book, trying this journey out, I'm not taking it so literally. I'm thinking of it like I'm going to take all this information as a grain of salt and see how I can make it relative to my life today and in my practicing. And I'll be honest, like, so far with some of the things that I have been noticing in my practice a lot of it is coming from that book <laughs> and it's been beneficial yeah.
0: he says to set experience goals to so feel comfortable and not worry about the performance or be aware of the larger picture or other aspects of the piece or experience mm-hmm. what experience goals do you have for a self-practice or rehearsing with a group or playing a concert or recital mm-hmm was a question that he posed in this section. For me, personally, I would just love to play in front of people and with people again. Or even clinicianing. I just miss playing with people.
1: Yeah, same here. I think for me, it's more that I should stop overthinking every single little detail. Because when I start overthinking, I get really tense, and I end up just overdoing it and get tired really easily this is something I'm working on. It's not an overnight kind of process. It's, yeah, I think this is going to be continuous. I think probably back to when I started grad school, I started overthinking and overdoing a lot because I was like, I'm in grad school. I need to show that I'm a, I'm capable of playing music and having a sustainable career in this world. I was very very perfectionist kind of
0: a yes man. Yeah
1: all it did was stress me out (coughs) and it kind of continued on when I left school because I was like if I still want to be part of this world and have a sustainable career I still need to be doing this and all it really led to me feeling is feeling stressed and not satisfied but When I work on letting go a little bit and not overthinking everything and just playing the music, I feel a lot better, and I still feel a little insecure about my results, because sometimes I'm like, well, it could have been better, but I don't know. I think I need another pair of ears (laughs) to tell me that, but I'm still learning, and I probably need to trust myself a little more, (laughs) which will... That's kind of like a sneak peek, <laughs> but
0: I think this book was written for you.
1: I think it was. <laughs> I wasn't even born yet.
0: It's a little creepy, Barry.
1: A little creepy, but yeah, that's that's my experience school right
0: now. We'll both get there. Yeah. setting experience, ironically, setting experience goals can help recover from burnout and can help you enjoy music again, so it's clearly what we were just talking about. Yeah. He says to start with goals about self-want interference and move on to goals that have to do with a musical experience. It's hard to enjoy music if you're undergoing any mental interference or major technical issues, which, yeah, if you're struggling with having basic intonation or rhythm stuff, you're not gonna enjoy it. Yeah. He has this whole section, I think it's literally, like, a third of a page called oh. If Only I'd Known This Way Back When, <laughs> and I don't understand the point of this because it was just Barry talking about how embarrassed he was that it took him so long to learn these concepts and learn effectively.
1: He was probably just being relatable and sharing his experience doing this.
0: It just felt a little out of place. I'm not going to lie.
1: <laughs> you laugh because you agree. You <laughs> could to I mean, I don't know. I never wrote a book. <laughs> so
0: I know. We're getting some hot takes on the game of music on Fiddle and Pipe.
1: Exactly. I never wrote a book. Maybe he.
0: this was the only spot he could put it in. Learning goals in music. When we are not challenged or not learning, we become bored. Yeah. Whole basic premise of this. And this is obviously a thing if you've ever gone into schools... And see kids that are bored, it's usually because they're not being challenged or they're not invested in whatever's going on. That was me! Yeah, yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we learn effectively when we notice growth and receive feedback. The feedback keeps us engaged and gives us things to improve on. Mm-hmm. If we are unaware of growth, we become unmotivated. Takeaway is to set clear and main tool goals and focus on one or two things at a time. This is another section that I thought was a no-brainer. This is written in a way that can be applied to literally every single mm-hmm. thing. If you're feeling unmotivated, there's a good chance it's because you're not aware of how much you are improving or you're not given enough information to improve on. You feel like you hit a wall. You feel like you've plateaued.
1: That's what I've been struggling with, I think more recently than ever. I think
0: it's definitely a post-school thing.
1: Yeah, I think I've spent too much time focusing on I need money and working, just working. Yep. And not investing in my own artistic career. That's all I've been doing for this, God, when was 2018? three years
0: ago (laughs) three three years ago yeah three
1: four years ago i just spent so much time working doing the same routine and then finally last month i came to this realization during my crap week from hell (laughs) that (laughs) i felt i wasn't doing well in music and i staying on this plateau and i don't want to be on this plateau anymore i'm working on it right now if i invest a little bit more my artistic goals things that I want to be doing and that I studied for years doing I know that I will be happier I feel less stress getting these goals done and I feel satisfied even though it's a lot of work right now I know it's not gonna be like this forever
0: it's a big learning curve and I think it's especially predominant with our generation Mm -hmm. and people in our age group and what we're dealing with currently. We're both 28. We have gone through, in high school, we went through the big housing market crash. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We've gone through COVID, obviously another economic disaster. Mm -hmm. We've gone through two huge recessions and we're currently in our late 20s, which affects us drastically because we are at the point in our lives where People are buying houses, people are getting married, people are starting families, people are doing all these things, and the milestones just keep shifting because we can't afford these things.
1: Exactly.
0: Money plays such a big role.
1: I was I was practicing, and I've been practicing, but I just felt so... I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere with mm-hmm. the amount of hours I've been working at my two jobs that are not music-related. On top of that, I noticed that I was also not as super engaged in teaching like I usually have been.
0: Being an adult is hard and I wish I was more prepared to be an adult.
1: Oh I wasn't. I wish I was more prepared being an adult and learning how to cope with these things. Yeah. Musically personally a lot better when I got out of music school. Wow (laughs) I'm like I feel like I'm still a student in a way. But I'm not.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like I'm still on the trial edition of adulthood.
1: I thought I would be at a different place at 28, and I'm not. <laughs> so.
0: I, and I also, I thought the same thing. I thought I would be in a different point in my life now. Yeah. And I was actually talking to David about this yesterday. I think that's part of the reality we're in now, especially with COVID. It's uprooted everyone's, or I shouldn't say everyone's, most people's idea of, like, where they should be in their life at a certain point. Yeah. And that's that's also a part of learning how to be an adult is dealing with the fact that what your idea for your life is might not line up with what your actual life is mm-hmm. and how to reconcile that difference.
1: That's why I keep saying that I'm going through a quarter-life or post-quarter-life crisis. And everyone's like, why are you saying that? I'm like, this is why.
0: <laughs> I'm just going through a perpetual crisis.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's ever going <laughs> to <laughs> Even when I get to oh, my okay. midlife crisis, I'll just say... Yeah, this has been going on since I was, uh, 25. <laughs> 26.
0: This is a 25-year-long crisis.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, um, it's never gonna end.
0: <laughs> um, again, getting back on topic, because we're really doing bad at that. We're terrible. He gets this exercise called learning the melody.
1: This is a long exercise, too.
0: Yeah, I think that's why I put the page marker.
1: I kind of went over it mentally, but I didn't, like... Physically do this.
0: Neither did I, because I saw this and I was like, oh, "Do I have to do this?" So you were supposed to play or sing Foster's "Beautiful Dreamer."
1: <laughs> it's just got stuck in my head. And that was the lovely sounds of Kit Kat meow meow
0: by her first studio album. <laughs> He says, list your learning goals in order, oh my gosh, in order to put what you need to learn into words, you might want to ma- ask yourself some leading questions and make a list of your answers. He puts some examples like, was this the best I've ever played this piece? If not, where did my playing fall down this time? If you few other things like that. A typical list of learning goals might look like this. Intonation in measure three, rhythmic problems with seven, eight, and nine, missed notes in seven and eight. Etc. Mm-hmm. He says to prior is so long. He says to prioritize your list. What are your three biggest problems in order of importance? List them. For example, intonation, fingering, phrasing. Find the precise place where the problem arises. User awareness to locate what is going wrong, where, when, and how much.
1: So I don't necessarily do this. I don't like write down a list. But what no, I, I what I like doing though is. I'll, like, kind of work through a piece, and I have an idea of what's, like, checking me up. I think after a certain period of time, after, like, I finish working on a specific chunk of the music, I'll write down in my practice journal what I need to think about in the future Mm -hmm. to focus on, and what I was able to accomplish, and what I should probably work on the next time, and I always like to look back in my journal. I think that was something that I definitely learned this past year was not just writing something down and then like going on, but Mm -hmm. writing something down, going away from it, and then when I get back into my playing, look back and see, okay, what did you do (laughs) last time? I'll write reminders for myself, and I'll like put a star next to them, like you need to pay attention to this note because that's when it's the freshest, Mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to remember two days later what I did in my previous practice session unless I look back and read it.
0: I used to do it with excerpts. Uh, Whenever Um, I would have an audition, I would write down what went well and what I could improve on on individual excerpts within the audition. And then I'd write down what the audition was and if I made it or not. So it kind of gave me an idea of things that I was messing up on are things I need to work on, especially in a context where you're gonna be under pressure. juggling your goals, performance, experience, and learning goals don't distract you because they all work off each other and you don't need to focus on them all at once. He uses the example of driving to a destination goal. When If you're driving a car, you're not like, oh, I need to only focus on driving. Like, No, you're just kind of getting the car, you turn on fiddle and pipe podcast <laughs> and you drive your car it's, it's not like a big thing. Set your goals and then return focus to sight, sound, feeling, etc. And goals will help subconsciously. He makes it a point to say that technical problems should be addressed, but don't be scared of wrong notes. Because that will keep you from your highest level of playing. He says that's one of the differences between practice and performance. When he says don't be scared of wrong notes, it's not as if you are a beginner learning intonation for the first time. It's just be like, hey, don't be afraid to reach that high C, or whatever.
1: Yeah, I tell this to my students. Don't be afraid. Just make the note, and if you don't make it, cool, we'll work on it.
0: I know with violin, a lot of my students, especially when they are, actually, viola too, when they are shifting for, like, the first few months of they're doing shifting, they get really timid when they go in anything beyond their position. And it could be in tune, but it just sounds so bad because they're timid. So I tell them, even if your notes are out of tune, just the fact that your tone quality is better will make it sound so much better.
1: I tell it to my students when they're learning high notes, and they're, like, working Mm -hmm. up towards high notes, I'm like, if you crack the note great, that means you have the air for it. All we need to do is kind of, like, take it back a little bit. And I tell them, like, I would rather have you crack or make the note than undersell it, I guess. (laughs) Right. Undersell.
0: Underplay,
1: under <laughs> under play I guess.
0: You got oh. it. He says learning goals are also applicable to other aspects of life. For example, improving concentration or fear of failure. Confidence. <laughs> That's Exercise. Me. Moving, moving through the different goals. He gives you Old Man River. Do you want to sing it for us?
1: I can't remember the song off my head. And I tried like I should have like gone out like tunable or something and like played the pitches. When I was reading this, because I was reading this, like, on my couch. Is it, like,
0: Old Man River? Done? Am I thinking of something else? Should, I'm probably thinking of something else.
1: Should we try this out? Kay. He says
0: to remember the song, look at the music again, and play or sing a few notes or measures. Repeat the process without looking at the music, and play again for, quote-unquote, the sound. Was there any difference?
1: Do you want to sing it? Play
0: again for feeling. Do we need to? Do we need to subject? Oh, God. Do we have to subject our listeners to this? Yeah. This is in tenor cliff, or bass clef. Yeah, oh. I don't want to sing it. Meow, meow, meow,
1: meow,
0: meow, (laughs) meow. Oh. You're having a good old time with us. Wait, so I was right. I was right. right.
1: Yeah. I thought okay, so I was right about that. The rhythm like old oh, man river. I just wasn't sure pitch wise. Sorry, Earl Skills. <laughs> old man river, the old man river,
0: he must know something, but don't say nothing. Something 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 something. something.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've definitely heard this song, like, a million times. It's just sometimes with certain tunes, I need to hear the tune first before I can really get into it. Also, I was just playing with my tunable app.
0: Isn't it a spiritual? Yes. Goal setting for the future. This was so rad. So he talks about making a goal journal.
1: This was very in detail.
0: Yes, and I want to do it, and I haven't done it yet, so.
1: I don't know if I can.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I feel like it's gonna take some kind of, some serious self-discipline to get to this level of organization.
1: Having a goal for five to ten years, for me, it's intimidating and overwhelming right now. I could do maybe one year. Like, here's my goal for the year. I think that's like my max right now. I can't swallow what I can't chew.
0: You don't want to bite off more than you can chew.
1: That's it! (laughs)
0: Are you nervous about being over-ambitious in your goals? Or is it more like you want to leave room for flexibility in case your goals change?
1: Yes. And I have so much going on, so my goal may change midway. So that's why it's like, I think I just have one year right now, Max. And
0: I think that's normal. And I think that's okay, because... Again, life is not ever, 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 ever going to go like you it on going, but I think the whole point of having long-term goals is that it will help you hopefully lead you in the direction to make them more attainable if it's something that you want and if your life is still leading in that direction. Exactly. That was my take on it. So the whole goal journal thing, he basically did this with his private base students and he had them list daily goals as well as five and ten year plans. The continuous running reminds you of your goals and reinforces them. It gives people responsibilities for the future. Think of active versus passive risk, not just letting things happen. You're actively taking a chance and planning out what's going to happen to you instead of being passive and, you know, being like, oh, well, if this happens, that's rad, but if it doesn't, that's okay too. It helps you get your priorities in order, helps you become better organized. There's a student that he quoted saying that it was scary at first, but it makes things real and is immensely helpful. In order to make a goal journal, if any of y'all actually want to do this, you need to keep your long-range goals at the beginning to remind yourself. And they honestly need less space because your long-term goals are going to be more vague. So you have your long-range goals, which are five to ten year goals. These are big career or life goals. Be like, oh, I want to get married. I want to buy a house. I want to make it into the symphony.
1: I want to have my car paid off.
0: Yeah, long, long range goals. I want to have my student loans paid off. Crossing fingers. Uh, You have your medium range goals, which are one to five years, and then your short range goals, which are two to 15 weeks. You have this week's goals and today's goals. And today's goals will be the longest and most detailed because they are the most pertinent to what's going on. Then you have next week's goals, which will be some repeats from the short range goals. It's really important that you keep your journal up to date, so that way you can just keep moving and cycling, he makes a point of saying, keep clear about your goals so your will will work for you. I think it's a good idea. It's, it's definitely intimidating because at 28, I have an idea where I would like to be in five to 10 years, but putting that on paper just seems to...
1: Uh, Same. It seems... Maybe I should write this down. Seems daunting. It is. I guess for me, it's like, I don't know where I'm going to be in five years, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. but I think that's okay and I think again we need to reconcile that we're not going to know but it's better to kind of have an idea of what you want out of your life instead of kind of bumbling through it for lack of a better word. I think you can kind of take it with a grain of salt. It's a good way to keep yourself on track with what you want in life and I think doing goal setting especially this planned out far ahead could be a good thing as long as you're okay with giving yourself the flexibility to make it multiple. Like, not everything is necessarily set in stone, but it should get you a little closer to where you want to be. Well, that brings us to the end of the chapter. How are you feeling coming out of this chapter? This is a really thick boy.
1: It was really thick. I think it caught sight on how, what goals I have in mind, and what I probably need to do in order to kind of achieve them. But also, I guess for me, the performance goals that was something that I could relate to a lot in my own practicing. But yeah, it was very lengthy.
0: I like when he broke up the stuff about the distractions.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: thought that made a lot of sense. I'm always big on anything that involves learning and how the brain works. I really like the gold journal. Maybe I'll make one.
1: You should. I think
0: it'd be good. I don't know where my life's going to be in 10 years.
1: You're You're probably going to have another cat. <laughs> or a dog. <laughs> This
0: podcast will be famous.
1: <laughs> that's the goal.
0: <laughs> We're going to be filthy rich.
1: <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to be living on the moon
0: <laughs> with Elon Musk.
1: Oh, God. Oh, no, they're good. <laughs> I'll pick Mars, not the moon. Actually, no, I'll pick Pluto. Pluto's a planet and it's isolated. Will <laughs> they come back?
0: I oh, do Pluto's a dwarf planet.
1: So sad. I think Pluto's still a planet. (laughs) So if you guys want to share your insights on this chapter or this book or anything about what we've been talking about on this podcast, you can go and join on Facebook, the Fiddle and Pipe Forum, and yeah, you are welcome. It's basically just for you listeners to talk about what you thought about what we talked about in this book. And probably future ideas for future episodes.
0: <laughs> so all y'all are invited.
1: Yeah. So come on in, join us. We will be there. <laughs> That's I, I was like, we will be there and
0: not we'll be square. B
1: square? Or I don't
0: know. Be there or be square. Wait. Be and there or be square. So I guess we won't be square.
1: Yeah I, Yeah, I guess we won't be square. We'll be a we'll be a triangle.
0: I'll be circular.
1: Circular! That's a better one. I'm, like, trying to be, like, what are other shapes? What are shapes? Geometry. I didn't learn jack crap (laughs) in geometry. Oh, my God. So.
0: Uh, Thank you all for listening. And until next time. Goodbye. Deuces.